A very blessed morning to one and all. Let me greet those of you worshipping with us online. Those of you on site, are you glad to be in the house of the Lord? Let's wave at each other. Yes, what a beautiful Sunday it is. We thank God for the refreshing showers. And today is Pentecost Sunday. And let me wish you the presence and power of the Holy Spirit even as we encounter God through worship, through prayer, and now through His Word. Let's go to God in prayer. Let's prepare our hearts to receive His Word. On this Pentecost Sunday, Holy Spirit, we need you. Holy Spirit, have your way with us, have your way in us, and have your way through us. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you, for you, O Lord, are our rock and our redeemer. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. The disciples were terrified. Terrified. Their master has been crucified as a worst criminal. And now his body is gone from the tomb. What's going to happen to them? Will the authorities come for them and do the same to them? Will they also be crucified? I imagine them asking, Jesus, this master that we have been following for three years, it's, is he a scammer? Is he a fraudster? Did he make an empty promise? A promise that he can't keep? What is this rising again after three days? Imagine with me, confusion, fear, unbelief, anxiety all came together. And the scripture text for us today is taken from John chapter 20. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors were locked where the disciples were for the fear of the Jews, Jesus stood and came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. And this is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Now my friends, we are often very familiar with Pentecost Sunday as based on a text in Acts chapter 2, verse 1 to 4, when the Holy Spirit came like a rushing wing and tongues of fire came upon the disciples in the upper room. But did you know that John chapter 20, verse 19 to 23 is also part of the lectionary readings? And John chapter 20 is what scholars would call the Johannine Pentecost. Now, it often gets much less attention, but may I suggest that it is of no less significance. Together with Acts chapter 2, John 20 and Acts chapter 2, together they paint a fuller picture of the work and the power of the Holy Spirit. But what do we make do of John 20 in relation to Acts chapter 2? Question, has the Spirit already been given in John chapter 20? I mean, we read Jesus breathing on them and saying, receive the Holy Spirit. What about Acts chapter 2? First, my, first and foremost, my friends, John 7.39 declares that the Holy Spirit will only be given when Jesus was glorified. And that means that Jesus had ascended exalted, 
and be enthroned. And Jesus had to go to the Father. And from the Father, he would send the Holy Spirit. So in John chapter 20, Jesus was resurrected, but he had not yet ascended. This meant that the promised Holy Spirit had not yet come. In fact, Luke 24, 29 tells us that the disciples are to stay in the city till they are clothed with power from high. And so the disciples were not sent forth until after Pentecost because they were instructed not to leave Jerusalem until the power of the Holy Spirit came upon them. And so my friends, the gift of the Holy Spirit came only at Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, verse 1 to 4. So what do we make do of the words of Jesus in John chapter 20 when he said, receive the Holy Spirit? Scholars have studied this passage and it suggests that the words receive the Holy Spirit need not be understood as receive the Holy Spirit right now. In fact, the words receive the Holy Spirit is a prophetic, a symbolic of the promise which will be fulfilled at Pentecost. So when Jesus said, receive the Holy Spirit, he's saying that you will one day, soon, very soon, at Pentecost, you will receive the power of the Holy Spirit upon you. And the Holy Spirit will equip the disciples to go forth to make disciples of all nations. They will be sent forth in the power of the Holy Spirit. They will effect the ministry of the gospel to the forgiveness of sin. That's why John 20 verse 23 says, Jesus says to them, if you receive the Holy Spirit, then if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Now, my friends, this verse is not to be understood as Jesus giving the disciples the spiritual authority to forgive sins. Only God can forgive sins. But when they receive the Holy Spirit that is to come, they will go forth and preach the power of the gospel to forgive sins. They will go forth in the power of the Holy Spirit with the power of the gospel. And that is why they will bring forth a message of forgiveness. Those who receive the gospel with the power of the Spirit, their sins will be forgiven. Yet those who reject the message, they are rejecting the Holy Spirit and their sins will be retained. You know, you may ask, you know, Pastor Ray, isn't the Holy Spirit already in the Old Testament? What do we understand of the role of the Holy Spirit then? In the words of J.I. Packer, the Holy Spirit is already involved in the Old Testament through creation and recreation. For example, in Genesis chapter 1, the Spirit of God is hovering and then God spoke, breathing life and creation. Remember the valley of dry bones in Ezekiel 37, where God said, I will cause my breath, the Holy Spirit to enter you and you shall live. Hence the power of recreation. We know the Spirit has been involved in the anointing of leaders. For example, anointing of Joshua, anointing of David. The Holy Spirit also grants prophetic revelation to the prophets. The Holy Spirit also empowers for service and ministry. And so, my friends, you've got to understand the role of the Holy Spirit in different seasons. In the Old Testament, the Spirit relates to the Christ who is to come. Now, when Jesus was on earth, 
the Spirit related to His ministry then. Remember, the Spirit came upon Jesus like a dove when He was baptized. The Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness where He was tempted and He over, overcame the temptations of the evil one. And now at Pentecost, what happens? The Spirit now relates to the Christ risen, the Christ ascended, the Christ reigning in glory. So there is a newness, a fullness of God's reign the kingdom of God has come in full and the Spirit relates to that. That is for us today. That is why at Pentecost the church is born, is birthed because we now as the people of God carry that power, the fullness of the gospel to bring about the forgiveness of sins, redemption and eternal life in Christ Jesus. My friends, that is the significance of Pentecost. This morning, I want to examine the text of John 20. We're quite familiar with Acts 2, but I want to examine the text from John chapter 20. Allow me to draw two lessons for us this Pentecost Sunday. The first lesson is the loving surprise, the loving surprise of our Savior. In the midst of the confusion and fear, remember the doors were locked, the disciples were afraid they were wondering, where, where are you, Jesus? Your body is gone. Jesus comes. Jesus surprises them. And he says to them, peace be with you. Remember in Acts chapter 2, the disciples were also waiting. They were all together in the upper room. Suddenly there was a sound of a violent wind and the Spirit came upon them. And so my friends, as sudden and surprising as it was Jesus appearing in John chapter 20, so it was also in Acts chapter 2. In John chapter 20, the disciples needed peace. In Acts chapter 2, the disciples needed power. Peace and power. And yet Jesus comes always in that loving surprise. Amen. Haven't you been surprised by the Holy Spirit? Corinne Ten Boon was. Who was Corin Ten Boon? Corin Ten Boon is the well-known author of the book, The Hiding Place. She and her sister were sent to a concentration camp after being arrested for hiding Jews during the Second World War. Her sister didn't survive the concentration camp. She did. And after she came out, the war ended. Corin Ten Boon began a ministry of sharing for, on forgiveness and reconciliation. So one particular session, she had just finished sharing a message on forgiveness and then she saw him. She saw him. The former guard of that concentration camp where she was. And she recognized this guard. He was there when she and her sister were forced to strip naked to walk past the guards. She recalled the shame, the humiliation, the brutality. This God has now become a Christian. And he approached Corinne Tamboon and told her, I was a God at the camp that you spoke about. And he said to her, I ask for your forgiveness. She held out, he held out his hands, but Corinne could not bring herself to respond. She thought to herself, my sister had died in that place. How can you erase her death by simply asking for forgiveness. In her own words, she said, and still I stood there with the coldness clenching my heart. 
But forgiveness is not an emotion. I knew that too. Forgiveness is an act of the will. And the will can function regardless of the temperature of the heart. Jesus, help me. I prayed silently. I can lift my hand. I can do that much. You supply the feeling. And so woodenly, mechanically, I thrust my hand into the one stretched out to me. And as I did, an incredible thing took place. The current started in my shoulder, raised down my arm, sprang into our joint hands, and then this healing warmth seemed to flood my whole being, bring tears to my eyes. I forgive you, brother, I cried with all my heart. What a surprising work of the Holy Spirit. This Pentecost Sunday from John chapter 20, Jesus surprises us with the power presence of his spirit he does so out of love and so thank you jesus for surprising corinth and boon with the power to forgive thank you jesus for surrendering or surprising your disciples with your presence in that room they needed it you knew they needed it and yet you came and so do we O oh lord when we cry out to you when we cry out to you lord where are you surprise us with your love with your spirit That's the first lesson. The second lesson I want to bring to you today from John chapter 20 is the reviving life of the Spirit. Jesus breathed on them. In these COVID times, breathing on each other is not a good idea. But Jesus in that room breathed on his disciples. His disciples were in fear, in hopelessness. In fact, I dare say that they were caught in what we call spiritual death and they needed the breath of God to revive and to restore. The Hebrew word for spirit is ruach, which means breath and wind. The Greek word pneuma means the same. These are the words that describes the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus breathes upon them the life of the Spirit. My friends, the Spirit gives life in contrast to what is dead and dying in your lives. The Spirit gives life. From the book of John, the theology of the book of John, the Holy Spirit breathes life through two key roles that He plays. First and foremost, the Holy Spirit breathes life as the counsellor, the comforter, and the helper. The Greek word is parakletos. The word parakletos is a very rich one. It literally means the one who is caught in. In the words of William Barclay, Parakletos is a witness or an advocate, like a lawyer, who is called in to give evidence for the defense. The Parakletos is a friend who is called in to give counsel and advice. The Parakletos is like a doctor who is called in to give help and healing. The Parakletos is a, a man of courage who is called in to put fresh courage to you when you are dispirited and afraid. So my friends, you will understand why the Holy Spirit is the Parakletos. He breathes his life through comfort. He breathes his life through counsel, wisdom. He breathes his life through courage. When he comes to us, when we most needed it. William Barclay summarizes it very well. In its widest, Parakletos is someone who is caught in to enable a man to cope with life in any situation when life is too much for him. 
Today you can cry, Holy Spirit, be my Parakletos. Holy Spirit, be my Parakletos. It's too much. Too much for me to cope. I need your healing. I need your courage to do what is good and right at home, in my workplace. Breathe your Parakletos life into my situation. Come and make me strong and courageous. Come and help me make good choices. Come and help me do the very things that will please you. That's how the Spirit breathes life. The Holy Spirit, my friends, also breathes life by giving us the truth. In John 16 and John 14, the role of the Holy Spirit is to reveal, to lead, to guide us into all truth. The Spirit will remind us of all the things that Jesus has taught. Jesus as the way, the truth, and life will come alive when the Spirit comes and reminds us of who Jesus is. And so, my friends, hear me. When you were dead in your sin and in deception and in lies, the breath of God's Spirit brings that conviction of sin, of revelation and righteousness, from death to life. My friends, that's what happened at Pentecost. When the Spirit fell upon the disciples, they went forth and became began proclaiming the wonders of God in the native languages of the Jews from different parts of the world. In different parts of the world, the Jews came and they understood the gospel of Jesus Christ. So scholars said that at Pentecost, it was a reversal of the Tower of Babel in Genesis 11. In the Tower of Babel in Genesis 11, languages divided. At Pentecost, the Spirit united with the power of truth that came through the gospel proclaimed through language. And Peter arose and spoke in the power of the Holy Spirit. The first Pentecost sermon, Acts chapter 2, tells us that the people were cut to their hearts. Truth was revealed, repentance was called for, and 3,000, 3,000 were saved and baptized that day. That is the power of the Holy Spirit. That is the spirit of truth. Today, my friends, if you are confused and you're wondering, what is the truth about myself? What is the truth about this situation? God, from your eyes, not mine. You need the Holy Spirit to guide and lead you into all truth. Today, my friends, if you are facing a situation that is dead or dying, and you know it, come, receive the Spirit. Let the Spirit be your counsel, your comfort, your help. Let the Spirit guide you into all truth. For where there is Jesus Christ, there is His Holy Spirit. And where there is the Holy Spirit, there is true life. You know, the Holy Spirit is both a quiet and gentle breath, and yet a rousing and rushing wind. In Acts chapter 2, we see the Spirit as a rousing and rushing wind. But in John chapter 20, the Spirit is a quiet and a gentle breath. And we need both. John gently describes the peace that comes with that gentle breath, the personal voice of the shepherd. And Acts chapter 2 is that cacophony of noises, the rush of that wind, and then the power of God. We need both the peace of God and also the power of God. And the Holy Spirit is both. 
In my own journey of faith, I've experienced the power of the Holy Spirit through the breath and also through the wind. The wind came when I was second year in university. It was at a missions conference organized by Varsity Christian Fellowship. And that missions conference, the wind of God came. The wind of God came, the Holy Spirit came and gave me a vision. In my mind's eye, God told me, take the leap off the cliff. There was a cliff in my mind's eye. I can still remember it after 30 over years. Take a leap off the cliff and I will catch you before you land. And in the powerful, glorious vision, I saw myself being called to full-time ministry. That was my call, second year, end of second year. And after I graduated, I turned away from the call. I ran as far as I could. I was serving actively in church. But I feared to face the call and to respond to a call of pastoral ministry. It's terrifying. And then the breath of God came at the Young Methodist Leaders Conference in 2002. I had run away from the call. I was Jonah. And at that conference, in a quiet voice, the breath of God was whispered into my soul. I remember I, it just came and the Spirit of God said, Raymond, don't run anymore. Obey. And it will be all right. It will be all right. The breath of God came. And I said, yes. I will choose to obey, O oh God. It took me five, six years to prepare. And I entered TTC and the rest is history. My friend, the wind of God, the breath of God, both giving us life when we needed it the most. As I close this sermon, I want to give you two responses. Can I invite you to turn to your neighbor and say, just do it? Why do? Because the initials of the two application points, D, D is for desire. Just do it. Just desire the Spirit. Amen. This is the first and the most important posture. Do you want the Holy Spirit? Honestly. Are you content with a life without the Spirit? Cannot be. Do you acknowledge your need for the Holy Spirit? You must. The American Methodist missionary E. Stanley Jones puts it aptly. Pentecost is not a spiritual luxury. It is an utter necessity for human living. The human spirit fails unless the Holy Spirit fails. It is either Pentecost or failure. I think he puts it very starkly and what truth it is. It's either you are being led and filled with the Spirit or your life may not accomplish what God wants you to experience. That's why Ephesians 5, 18 says, Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. So be filled with the Spirit is in the imperative. It is a mandate. It is utterly necessary. Now, have you ever wondered why a contrast with being drunk with wine and being filled with the Spirit? They are opposing alternatives. But the similarity is the idea of influence. Both alcohol and the Holy Spirit has the power to influence us. You know, when we get very high and we get drunk, guess what happens? We lose control, right? We talk nonsense sometimes. 
And sometimes we talk the truth. And we do things we often regret under alcohol's influence. And we know that alcohol can lead to enslavery and addiction. But just as alcohol has degrees of control over us, depending on how much we consume, in the same way, the Holy Spirit will have degrees of control over your lives, depending on how much you are willing to allow the Spirit to have control. And so the Apostle Paul says, Guys, don't let alcohol influence you. Instead, be influenced by the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. And this word filled in its Greek really means be filled again and again, again and again, to be filled to full capacity. It doesn't mean that you are filled yesterday, tomorrow you needn't be filled. Every day you need to empty yourself and say, Spirit, come and fill me because I need you. I want you. In matters of salvation, you can cry to the Spirit, Spirit, I need you, because only you can convict the heart of my friend. Only you can convict the heart of my parents who do not know you. Only you can. In everyday discipleship, you can say, Holy Spirit, I need you to give me a fresh revelation through your word, because you will guide me into all truth. You reveal the truth of who I am and how much I need you. In matters of ministry, Holy Spirit, we need you. We need you to bind us together as one church as we serve together. Holy Spirit, empower me as I lead Bible study in my small group this evening. Every time I preach, I take a moment or two and I say, Holy Spirit, I empty myself. Fill me as I prayed this morning. Fill me that I may preach your word faithfully. You can say, Holy Spirit, fill me when I visit an elderly person in the hospital, that I may bring forth your comfort, for you are the paracletos. In intimacy with God, you can say, Holy Spirit, I need you because you are the one that cries, Abba. Not me, you are the one that cries, Abba, and only you can make intimacy with Abba a reality. Do you understand, my friends, why we need the Holy Spirit? Today, will you desire the Holy Spirit? D, D for desire. What about O? O is to obey. D-O, do, desire, and obey. If you desire the Spirit, then when the Spirit works, when the Spirit prompts, you have to obey. Whether it is the gentle promptings or it is the loud shouts of the Spirit in your life. You know, I record Cheng Gyok's testimony on 16 May, the Bible reading drive. She shared her devotion in the Bible reading drive. She said she was on a taxi ride. And the taxi driver had this huge book placed on a dashboard. And you know, and she wrestled with, within herself whether she should just talk about matters of the faith with him. And she said that the Spirit was prompting her, a gentle prompting in the heart, and eventually she obeyed the gentle prompting, and they had a spiritual conversation on a taxi ride. Now, that is obedience. When the Spirit prompts, you know, and God calls us to obey. And when God gives us the loud shouts in our lives, a sudden turnaround in our health, you know, we were facing a, a crisis and God redeems. That is the shout of the Holy Spirit. He's calling you. What will you need to obey? The truth is, my friends, do you know that you and I can quench the Spirit? We can also grieve the Holy Spirit. How do we quench the Spirit? Let me share with you. We quench the Spirit when we refuse to obey. We grieve the Holy Spirit when we refuse to repent. 
We quench the Holy Spirit. The Spirit wants to empower us to obey, but when we choose not to, we just simply quench the power. It's like the fire, just pour water over it, it's gone. And we grieve the Holy Spirit when we are steeped in sin and we refuse. We refuse to repent. Instead, my friends, would you obey? And to obey the Holy Spirit is to keep in step with the Spirit. Galatians 5, 16 and 18 says, Walk by the Spirit, led by the Spirit. And I think it is step by step, day by day. So when you walk with the Holy Spirit, it's as if you are going to the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, what do I do? Then the Spirit would probably me and tell you. And the Spirit often speaks through God's Word. Every day in your devotion, through God's Word. That's the first point. You want to know God's will? God's Word. God's Word through the power of the Spirit will reveal what needs to be done for that day. And then you walk in obedience, step by step, day by day. That's how you produce the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is developed through a daily walking with, a frequent obeying, and humbly relying on the Holy Spirit. Self-control is the fruit of the Spirit. But a lot of us struggle with self-control, especially in the area of anger. We get angry, and we say horrible things. We unleash callous words. We do things that hurt and grieve others. And so when you are angry, guess what? You turn to the Spirit. When you're angry, you pause and say, Spirit, I need you. Then you hear the Spirit tell you, walk away. What do you do? You walk away. Then when you walk away, the Spirit will reveal to you the truth of who you are. You say, Spirit, I need you. Tell me. Then the Spirit will tell you, hey, it's actually you are the one at fault. Go say sorry. And then you go say sorry. And guess what? Healing comes. Reconciliation happens. That's just a very practical example of being led by the Spirit, walking step by step with the Spirit. Then you will discover, hey, it gets better. It gets easier because you are not quenching the Spirit anymore. Instead, you are allowing the Spirit to have His way. You are allowing the Spirit to walk you through a situation. Victory upon victory, day by day, each step of the way. Allow me to close. It's Pentecost Sunday. John chapter 20 reminds us two lessons. The loving surprise of our Savior, Jesus who came into the room. Would you allow Jesus into the room of your heart? Would you allow His Spirit to surprise you? And would you also allow His Spirit to breathe His life on you? The reviving life when you most need it. How will you respond to the call to be filled with the Spirit today? In the words of J.I. Packer, the question is not whether you have the Holy Spirit, but does the Holy Spirit have you? Does the Holy Spirit have you? Does He have all of you? Or only some parts of you? Do you grieve the Holy Spirit? Or are you led by the Holy Spirit? Do you cooperate with the Spirit? Or do you obstruct the work of the Spirit? Will you come to the Lord this day and say, Holy Spirit, I need you. I need you to live the fullness of life that I can have. Because the Holy Spirit brings Jesus Christ to us.
in every situation, in every day of our lives. This Pentecost Sunday, let's come back to the heart of the matter. And I want to suggest to you that the heart of the matter of Pentecost Sunday isn't just about the manifestation of the tongues and the wind and the power. The heart of the matter is our posture to the Holy Spirit. It's our willingness to say, I need you, Holy Spirit. I desire you, Holy Spirit. I want to receive you again this Pentecost Sunday. Will you join me in prayer? All heads bowed. Would you come to God and say, Holy Spirit, I need you. I cannot do it on my own. I will not live my life on my own. But Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, I receive you. And if that's your desire, I invite you to just to simply open your palms. Open your palms as a posture of receiving the Spirit to fill you. Come, Spirit. We welcome you. Fall on us today, Holy Spirit. As we humble ourselves to receive you. We receive your peace. We receive your presence. We receive your power. Hallelujah. Breath of God, breathe your life on your people. We are longing for more of you, Holy Spirit. We are hungering for more of you. So come and fill us. Come and do your work in us. Thank you, O Lord, for you know our every point of need. Come and fill us. Give us grace to respond to your word. In Jesus' name, amen.